Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hello, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. This is Sue Meyer. Gosh, it's good to be back with you again. I'm kind of excited about this show today because I get to talk about something I did. <laughs> I was thinking about this. I said, how, how do I talk about an adventure that I got to have and still be able to make a show? So I decided to name the show Food. <laughs> I could talk about food for hours and hours. So let's get started. Actually, this probably won't be a real super long class, but because I have to keep it to a, a dull roar. But I will begin by telling you a little bit about myself and my knowledge of food as it is, and then what I found out when I left the country. <laughs> okay. Now, actually, I was when I was a little girl, I was raised on a farm, and as long back as I can remember, my dad did use some pesticides because I suppose at whatever point I became aware of it, I can actually remember the, the salesman that came to our house. I was very, very small, and he was <laughs> sitting in the kitchen, and he had a, I think it was atrazine that he was selling, he was advertising at the time, it's, it's a chemical, and he held up a cup of it, and he told my dad, I could drink this, it's perfectly safe, you know, it was a pesticide, it was, well, the term pesticides when it comes to food is generic, okay, because you have herbicides, insecticides, herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, and they're all under the title of pesticides, because insecticide is a pesticide, that's what we all think of it as, as we think of pesticides as an insecticide, but it's just the generic term for the sides, okay? So anyway, I can remember this gentleman sitting in our kitchen, and he was teaching my dad how to use this revolutionary new chemical that will, you know, save the corn and so on and so forth. And I can actually remember my dad taking us out to the field and saying, they have what they call smut on corn as it's growing, and it does, it will, it's a form of fungus that will literally take over sections of the cornfield where it's real moist in the lowlands and so on and so forth. And so anyway, my dad was pretty excited. I can remember thinking back, and then of course he used anhydrous pneumonia, which is no longer, I don't, I don't believe they even use that anymore, which they injected into the ground. And if you got caught in the backdraft of this anhydrous ammonia as you're, because it was injected directly into the ground, but as you turned your tractor around, depending on when you lifted up the, the drag that was injecting, you know, you could get a whiff of that and you could, it could kill you. <laughs> but anyway, the point is, is I was raised on a farm. I was raised in an era when they started using the pesticides, and that would have been the late 60s, um, that my dad was really getting into it big. Um, of course, there was no GMO at that time, but they were starting to come out with a few hybrids, so on and so forth. So up until the 60s, okay, late 50s they started in a few areas, but up until that area, all the corn, all the crops, they were not hybrid. They were open pollinated. They were not injected with pesticides and things like that. They just grew their crops, and yes, they would cultivate the weeds that's why they planted the corn in what they call the checkerboard pattern, and they would they would cultivate both directions. 
and the wheat and things they would send kids out to pull the weeds um, you know up until a certain stage after a certain stage it was better just to leave the weeds growing isn't there a biblical passage you know leave them we'll separate them on the day of harvest but anyway so all of our food was relatively not injected with toxins up until just now this last 50 approximately 50 55 years okay so that's my generation my generation has been living under the canopy of toxins and I say toxins because toxins are anything contrary to what the body perceives as nourishing or healthy so if we go back before that time now my family homesteaded in Michigan in I, the late 1880 something they homesteaded in Michigan our family farm and then my great-grandfather farmed my grandfather and my great-uncle farmed the farm after that, and then my dad farmed. And my dad was the one that, like I said, started introducing the pesticides. Up until then, it was all healthy. The bees, my uncle raised bees. They had an apple orchard. They raised plums and pears as well. You know, my great-grandfather, actually, he dried apples too. And he did sulfurate the apples. And sulfur, as we know, is perfectly natural. And of course, depending on what what they've done to the sulfur. The sulfur was a preservative. It helped keep the apples white as they dried. And But even sulfur can be toxic in high doses. But anyway, everything was done naturally. And it was just very few people ever died of cancer <laughs> back then. We talked about cancer in our last show. And so very few people ever died of cancer back then. And if they did die of cancer, it wasn't recognized, you know, in the sense that it, they were older and they just started failing and they eventually died. They would have some pains and aches, but they eventually died. Didn't need to nail the name of the disease. They were old, right? So it wasn't this this sad thing, these kids coming down with all this cancer and things like that. Yes, babies were born and didn't live very long sometimes. Stillborn babies. All the things now we're saving these babies, you know, in infancy and, you know, intrauterine, we already know there's a problem and we're medically we're saving them before they're even born. Back then, yes, the infants, it was very sad. They they just died. So, you know, we, who knows what the causes that was, right? Um, God in his goodness sometimes just helps us to heal and we move on. But anyway, the subject here is food. So our food, this last 55 or so years, has become not always nourishing. And how are we to know where it comes from and what we're supposed to eat? People are always asking me, what are we supposed to eat? And I can remember even in, in grade school, was it grade school? And even early um, middle school, you know, we'd have to fill out those pyramids. They had the fats at the top, and then you have your dairy, fruits and vegetables, and your proteins and your carbs. You know, they said lots of carbs, and you know, it was at the bottom. I think carbs was at the bottom of those pyramids. I, I remember taking them quite serious because I used to really worry when I was 10 years old about what I was or was I supposed to eat because the pyramid said, anyway... Since then, the pyramid has changed shape, and now they realize we shouldn't be eating all those carbs or whatever, and fats really aren't, you know, we need more fats in our diet because, see, you know, we've been on a fat-free diet for so many years that now they're linking that to Alzheimer's and to other dread diseases because every brain cell, you know, there's a lot of brain cells up there, okay, for (laughs) some some people more than others, but every brain cell has to be wrapped, encompassed in fat. We're talking the good fat, okay? The good organic animal fat or fish oil, these these good omegas, these good fats. And 
all of us, oh, I actually, I don't know, I don't think I ever went on a fat-free diet. I've always <laughs> had all the fat I ever wanted. But um, I could eat, fat's one of those things that I digest really well and I can eat tons of. And people laugh at me because I, well, I always have no cow. And I, lo and behold, I can give up a lot of stuff. I can fast for days on end. It doesn't bother me a bit, so long as I get my fat. <laughs> You know, and I said, so one day I says, I talk about drink fat all the time because I drink so much cream. And I, so one day I actually said, okay, kids, this is mommy's cream. Don't anybody touch it, you know, because we get all this milk cream from our cow. And so I just set mine aside and lo and behold, I literally drink between a half and a whole pint of cream a day. So that's between one and two cups of cream every day that I drink. And it's not just like in my coffee, of course, because Yes, I pour it in my coffee, and I do tend to set my cups around and waste my cups. But I also have fat. I use it in my, a lot of my cooking. I pour it over, like, fresh fruit, things like that. But it's good organic fat from a you know source that I'm familiar with. And so you have to make sure your source is good because, oddly enough, like animal fats, again, just like people fat, when our body takes in toxins anything it doesn't perceive to be healthy. And if your liver doesn't have time to take care of it right then and there, what does it do with it? It says, ah, I don't have time to take care of this toxin. I'm going to store it away. Remember we kind of talked about this in one of the other shows, I believe. So it stores this fat away and it locks it away. Hence cellulite, okay? But it locks this fat away and it does the same thing with animals. Animals do the same thing. Their process is the same. And if it's something that they can't perceive, if their body is like, whoa, this is a toxin, it, it will lock it away into the fat stores. And so if that animal isn't really, really healthy, definitely their fat's not healthy either. And even the milk, the milk fat, during the summer when the cows have lush grass to forage on, they have a lot of milk fat. You know, they're, they're able to throw off a lot of this because it's all extra and they're just so healthy and their coats are rich and their, their bodies are rich and healthy. So that's why people like grass-fed beef. But anyway... Those, that fat is being, you know, thrown off in a healthy way. And so we're getting healthy fat from good, healthy animals. So I, I have a lot of fat in my diet. But when, so back to Alzheimer's, there's certain diseases that are literally enhanced, you know, because we have been on a fat-free diet. So anyway, in our grade schools back then, they had this, this pyramid chart, and that's since been changed. And now we know that we do well on different combinations of food you know, eat this combination of food together with this combination of food. And you know what? Just leave out this until later and eat it in between meals, things like that. So now the nutritionists have a field day because it's a whole new world. They've discovered all these different things because now they can prove it with actual testing what we what our bodies run best on and what we shouldn't combine together as foods. So anyway, they uh, in the last 50 years, we've been, eat, we've been inundated with pesticides and they've brought in other chemicals, food additives. And they call them food additives because it enhances the flavor of the food. It helps to preserve the food, different things like that. But what you need to realize is they're all chemicals. And there is a certain government agency. <laughs> and first, when I'm teaching my classes, actually, by the way, yes, if anyone is interested in having me travel to their part of the country to teach a, a seminar, I, I love it. I, I've been doing that now for a few months, and I'm just loving it. Anyway. Back to when I'm teaching my classes, one of the first things I tend to say is this particular government agency is not really our friend, okay? They're supposed to be the bird dogs as to what we should or shouldn't eat, what's safe, what isn't safe, and they're constantly taking money from 
companies that want to sell their product in America or sell their product on the market is safe. And so, yeah, anyway, you have to do your own research, okay? Don't trust that these agencies really have our best interest at mind. So anyway, with that being said, the food additives and the things that they've allowed, they know they cause cancer. Statistically, only one in so many will develop cancer, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It may or may not cause these types of symptoms, da-da-da-da-da. And is that what you want for your food? Is that, you know, do you want that in your family? And I, okay, when I started this store, when I, my husband and I started our store, I'm going to tell you a little story about that because my husband had his job. He's a machinist by trade. We were both raised on farms. And he lost his job, and when he lost his job, of course, I'm just a homemaker, homeschool mom. I've never worked any more than part time in my life, so we're not gonna we're not gonna live off my <laughs> off my income. I would always work, and all my money would just kind of go in a little savings account, and then we'd have to take a nice vacation, for instance. But we never lived off my income except for the first two years that we were married, and then I started having babies, and so I didn't work anymore until later when Ron could be home in the evenings I'd go do laundry or work at a gas station or whatever which was kind of fun got me out of the house a little bit and made me realize how thankful I was for everything I had anyway so when my husband lost his job and I was just about to take my I wanted I was working with a homeopathic doctor and I was just getting ready to do my boot camp for my homeopathic certification and all that got put on, on hold it's still on hold okay three years later but that got put on hold, and my husband went on the road, and the kids and I actually tried to follow him. He doing construction, and we'd go and we'd do our school in the mornings, homeschool, and then we'd help him in the afternoons. We did that for a while, and we loved it, but it's not, you know, it's not real good for kids, okay? So then we decided, okay, let's go ahead and do this little store, but what are we going to sell? I thought it'd be fun because we had a place on the bike trail in central Minnesota here, and we wanted to do an ice cream parlor and a bike sales and rental shop where my husband could fix bikes and stuff. We thought, well, okay, this is Minnesota, right? We have like three months a year where you could ride a bike. We're going to starve to death. So I said, well, honey, why don't all my clients are always asking me, you know, they'll come in, they'll say, help me get my family healthy again, help us get off, you know, these antibiotics. And I just, just get our health back. And I'll say, okay, first thing we need to do is clean up our diet. And well, how do I do that? And so I proceed to tell them how to start buying organic, how to start making your own foods and so on and so forth. And they just look at me like, again, deer in the headlight look, you know, really, this is a something I'm not, I don't even recognize what you're talking about. Suddenly they, they act like I'm speaking another language. So I work with them trying to get this stuff up and, you know, how to find it, how to use it. And I said, Ron, I'm always trying to do it. I said, why don't we sell, you know, bulk foods and then run little seminars to teach people how to do this? Oh, well, you think that'd work? And I says, well, I don't know. I says, it, it does for me. He goes, yeah, but honey, you're different. I says, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm always being called different. But Okay, so we started looking into it, and an Amish friend of mine helped me find the distributors, and we started putting together a plan. I really wanted to make it a co-op, but when I started doing the research on that, and I spent quite a few days just just delving into all the different co-ops around the country, some of the more famous ones, what they do, and so on and so forth, and I thought, this is our life savings. This is everything we have are putting into the store, and unless I hire a raft of lawyers to figure out the verbiage if you do a co-op how are you going to maintain that control of what was yours when you started so I just couldn't figure that out how to do that and I says well let's just so we decided just to do a you know a family business and then maybe eventually go co-op so that people would be able to invest in something that they believed in 
and and it would be theirs as well as anyone else's. So now we're still working on that, but the point is, is it starts with the food. It starts with what we take in. We can only put out what we've taken in. And it's like a relationship, right? <laughs> you only get out of a relationship what you put into it. <laughs> and it's the same with food. Your body can only do as much as what you give it energy for. So if I'm going to eat, that food better nourish, it better give me energy, it better make me feel good. I eat anything contrary to those three objects, and I'm going to suffer for it. Always. You ever notice how Sunday or Monday morning you get up, ah, oh, you just everybody hates Mondays because they really don't feel good. They've they've indulged, they've overindulged on the weekend. <laughs> Whether it be food or drink or whatever. Yeah, speaking of drink, always make sure that your your drink is preservative free as well. I'm going to buy wines. I always buy wines from out of the country because then I know the grapes weren't sprayed. I know they don't add preservatives. And beer, same difference, or I make my own. Okay? I always know the source of where I'm buying my stuff because you you get what you get what you pay for. <laughs> anyway, so that's how we decided to start the store. And it that's how I ended up with the mercantile name because we wanted it to have a little bit of everything. I says, Ron when people come in, if I want to refer them to something, I might only have one item in the store of a particular type of food or whatever. I might only have one option. That's because that's what I use. That's what I'm familiar with. And so that way I can I can tell my customers about that. But you can find just about anything in our store. Just not a lot of it. It's a cute little store that has a lot of um, just just the things I need to live with. I rarely have to shop outside my store. Okay, really, really, because everything is there, and people say, "Oh, I can't afford organic," and I just say, "You can't afford not to eat organic. Eat less and buy organic." And I'm as serious as a heart attack here. Anyway, so that's how we got our little store started, and since then, I've become aware of the inundation. I mean, I'll I'll have a product on my shelf, and one of my customers will come and say, "Sue, you know, you, you shouldn't carry this," and I look at it, and it's like, oh, they changed the label. They just and I haven't been reading, you know, you don't read the labels every time they come in and they'll sneak an ingredient in. And then I found out like I was buying one product. I just loved it. And the distributor, as it turned out, I asked them about it and they says, oh, it's in-house now. So they bought out the little family business. It's now in-house and they added a, an ingredient that I, w- I don't feel good about selling. So I took it off my shelves. But this is always happening. They're always sneaking things in. And I do have in my store what I call, you know, Sunday foods. And they're just like super quick food. They're not necessarily going to poison you, but they're not extremely nourishing either because they're they're quite, um, maybe there's a little bit too much sugar. Sugar in itself, you know, I do allow that in my foods, just not a lot of it, you know, because it's, it's one of those things that it's a treat on occasion, but we shouldn't be eating it regularly. And um, because our bodies, fungus can grow, all sorts of things, it just, it, it has a counterproduction action. Okay, so if you're eating sugar on a daily basis, it's counterproductive, and your body has to fight that all the time. Your body can only be in fight mode so long. So, I tell the kids it's a treat food. Don't put it in your regular diet, and even like in some of my mixes and things that are in the store, like I call the fast foods, there's a little bit of sugar. I allow that because it. I assume they're not eating them every day. I assume that they're just saving it for that super quick meal and you know an emergency type situation, and they can make that that educated decision but there's no msg there's no high fructose corn syrup there's no you know super bad additives so to speak so when you're eating your foods make sure that they're just foods as far as like the different terms that we are familiar with people say oh i'm buying organic 
you know, and we have to understand that the word organic is actually in the dictionary. It just means something grown from soil. Okay, so if something is organic and foods that you buy, like packaged foods, make sure it says certified organic, not made with organic ingredients. Because certified means there's somebody standing there monitoring it. That's why a lot of big companies, some of my flour in my store, is it's, it's non-GMO. Some of it's certified organic. But all of my stuff is all my grains and flours and the stuff that I expect to be nourishing are certified non-GMO or organic. All, all of my grains and seeds and the grains and flours and stuff. And the reason for that is, see, like the certified non-GMO, now there is probably grains being grown in soil that is in the three years transition that they're growing it organically but it takes three years to get all the pesticides out of the soil what the, they consider out of the soil in order to for it to be called certified organic so and I had to laugh because I was having a discussion one time with a, a label registrant in Washington DC on pesticides <laughs> and I said okay what cracks me up is you consider this particular pesticide, say LD50, so in other words, it has a, it has a breakdown of half-life of 50. So it's a 100-year breakdown, literally, of this particular product. And yet, when they're spraying these fields, they say that, oh, don't worry about it. It's The residual effects are gone in three days. And yet, they make a farmer hold his field open for three years. That's a contradiction in information. And wherever there's a contradiction, there's an untruth. So, you know, stop... Just don't even talk to me about Half-Life and LD50 and all this other stuff because it's it's all contradiction. It's really, it's just one lie coupled upon another lie with what they're trying to shove down your throat. So if you're standing in court and you're fighting the pesticide issue, they're going to tell you that it was perfectly safe after three days. But if you want to grow your food organically, they're telling you you have to leave that, that, that land has to be open for three years. Excuse me? You know what I'm saying? We have to stop and use our intellect just a little bit here. And it, you don't have to look very far to see how terribly we're contradicting ourselves. Back to the food. <laughs> yes, I get off on tangents. I'm really sorry. But this comes up all the time in my world. And it's like people come in and it's like, stop. Do you not see that contradiction? Just, just stop and look at it. Oh, yeah, they'll say. I'll say then there's an untruth. I don't, I don't have the knowledge. I don't have you know, all the answers. I don't even know what we can do about it if we did have all the knowledge. But the point is, there's a contradiction. So you need to think for yourself. Learn to recognize it. So anyway, when it comes back to food, the grass-fed, the reason, like I said, the reason that people like grass-fed on organic or at least non-sprayed lands is because those animals are taking in all that nourishment from good, healthy soil, and it's not toxic to them, and they produce good, healthy fat, good, healthy everything. When I was growing up, my dad would say we'd, we'd butcher an animal. It didn't matter if it was a cow, beef, hog, whatever. He'd always look at the liver. Ah, oh, look at that good, healthy liver, he'd say. And it would be dark red and just, you know, it wouldn't be shriveled. It would be full and, you know, but it wouldn't be enlarged. It would, you know, he'd explain to us what to look for. And once uh, in a rare occasion, there would be an animal that would have a liver that was not where it was supposed to be. And then my dad would explain to us then that, you know, this is not an animal that we should eat. But he said he never seen a deer with a bad liver. He'd never seen a wild rabbit with a bad liver either. <laughs> so dad would explain all that to us. And now thinking about like as an adult trying to feed my family and keep my family healthy, it's like, okay, organic foods, good source of animal proteins, fruits, organic fruits and vegetables. And then there's this list out there of the, what is it, the dirty 
the dirty dozen and the clean 15, the things that the 12 first, the most important 12 foods to always make sure you eat organic because they are so heavily sprayed in the industry. So if they're not organic, you are taking in probably more toxins than you are good nutrients. And then they have what they call the clean 15 that are rarely sprayed or that are grown in conditions that the pesticides, if they do use pesticides or are not organic, at least they're not taking, they're not uptaking all the, the pesticides in their growth. So, you know, that's a really good, handy chart. So you can look it up on the internet. It's like I said, it's a dirty dozen or the clean 15 foods. Make sure the dirty dozen are always organic if you're going to eat them. And so I get, you know, like even I tell people onions. Yes, I buy organic and I sell organic onions in my store. But onions, I don't worry about buying organic because you, they, if you even look at them with pesticides, they're going to shrivel up and die. Every time we had an overspray of our garden, the onions always died. And, you know, they just cannot tolerate toxins. And even when you're cooking or you have onions sitting out, if there's any toxins in the air, the onions are going to absorb them. And you can see it physically. And so, like I said, it's one of those, the clean 15 type of things. But, okay, back to the foods. What I really wanted to talk about was our travels, okay, because... I've been, I've understood this issue that you eat, I make my own bread, you know, with organic flour, I like to soak my greens overnight, I eat, you know, a lot of fermented foods, things like that, and I I cook with my own good meat, yes, we eat a lot of meat in our house, I mean, there's, we rarely eat a meatless meal, except on Fridays, but we're just, we're big meat eaters, but good meats, and, you know, organic grains, um, vegetables, not a lot of fruit because fruit's more expensive and we we don't grow our own except we had our own cherries for quite a few years. We had our own apples. We had our own grapes. I would make my own grape juice, things like that. So now I do buy those things organically if I have the opportunity and then I freeze them or can them or dry them. And um, so anyway, we've just always done that. It's just part of my life. I didn't have to work hard at it because my parents raised us that way and we just understood that whole concept. And so now trying to teach my children this era, all my girls really pick it up pretty good. I mean, they're all, they all do famously. I'm just really, really proud of my daughters and the way they're raising their families. And my daughter-in-law, too, she's learning and, and she's very excited about it. But it is hard if you weren't raised that way to just, you know, learn something new. It's kind of like learning to water ski when you're older. It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. But it can be done. So, you know, keep that in mind. Anyway, my one of my my son, he met this girl from Australia. Wonderful, beautiful story, and they decided to get married. So my son moved to Australia, and there they are. And we went there for the wedding. It was I was very blessed that we were given the gift of going to the wedding. It's very far, very expensive to travel, and we went down there. There was three of my daughters. Only one son-in-law, my husband and I, and the three little babies that my three daughters took with. <laughs> so we were we were a crowd, but yet there wasn't that many of us. And we went to Australia and met my son's new family, my new family. So we were very blessed to be able to go to the wedding in South Australia. And I met his family, and I was... Because see, my daughter-in-law actually came here to Minnesota and spent three months here with us so we got to know her quite well and I was in awe I, 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 I can't quite explain it because I guess as a older person when you're talking to a younger person in their 20s you, you kind of dummy down your conversation in order to you know kind of be at their level so to speak <laughs> with her I was struggling to keep up okay <laughs> 
brilliant, just a brilliant, well-rounded young lady. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it, it was just she was just so knowledgeable about so many things. Well, she had traveled, she's been traveling since she was, I mean, she went her, in her teens, she traveled and now she was traveling again. And it was, it was just quite fascinating to sit and visit with her. And I'm like, how do you know so much about politics? And it's not just her politics or the United States politics, it's world politics. It's just everything in general. So when we went down to Australia and I met her family, I started to understand her formation and because they all are knowledgeable. They're all, I, the fact is, I'm sitting there listening to him talk one night, and I was thinking to myself, this must be what America was like 250 years ago. You know, because like Adelaide, her grandparents had, after World War II, they were transplants down to Adelaide, and because they were refugees, basically, from countries that were being taken over by communism, and so they're only just three live generations now down there. And so they're very, they're still very freedom, they're freedom fighters, and they care they still care very, very much. And so when we went there, I just, I had such a respect for the, for the people there. I just, it was amazing. And like I said, they knew more about our country, honestly, than most Americans know. And I just would sit in awe and they would ask me questions. I would be embarrassed. I would just start laughing. I said, why don't you tell me what you think? <laughs> just save face. Seriously, I have no clue what you're talking about, but they knew. And so anyway, their whole system of living is totally different. And in talking to my daughter-in-law's mother, she was explaining to me that they just now planted a year and a half prior their first fields of GMO. It was not in the food chain. And when we went to the grocery stores, we couldn't believe it. There were no food additives in any of their foods. Breakfast sausage, beef, spices, salt, cookies, even the chocolate bars, the chocolate bars that are famous here in America, totally different set of ingredients in Australia, totally different, um, all the soda pops, totally different ingredients. I talked to the company that delivers some of the product at my store and I said, I want the pop that they sell there for mixed drinks. So like the guys on the weekends, they can drink that and it's safe. There's no carcinogens in it. There's no caramel color, no high fructose corn syrup. And they said, we can't touch that. That's nope. In America, we make it this way. And I said, oh my goodness, if everyone in America would stand up and just say, I demand good product, I demand things that are not going to cause cancer in my for my food, we would get it. Even I mean, it started on the way down there. We were on the Australian airline down there, and I just refused to eat airline food, you know. So anyway, one that morning, I thought, gosh, that smells good. And they handed me, they gave me this option for food, and I said, well, I guess I'll take the fruit platter. They gave me this little container, had sliced, fresh sliced fruit. It was absolutely delicious just as fresh as could be and a, a piece of cellophane wrapped banana bread and I said oh no thank you my daughter hits me she goes mom she hits me with her elbow she says mom read the ingredients so I did and it was like rice flour pureed bananas vanilla cage-free eggs it was incredible just real ingredients like from grandma's kitchen type of thing and I opened it we tasted it it was delicious and there were no preservatives in that banana bread none and this is on an airline Okay, I was so impressed. I just couldn't believe it. And so we get to, and then when that's when we got to Australia, we started reading all the labels. My husband say, "Would you girls come on?" Because we just wanted to stand in the grocery store and read the labels. Because we we really could not believe the fact that there were no food additives and no bad things, no no MSG, no like I said, no high fructose corn syrup that I find just. It was amazing. No, oh, even the dyes, no red dye 40, no blue lake 6, no carcinogen-causing dyes in their foods. It was, you really can't believe it. 
I just I was so shocked because I heard foreign countries don't allow this stuff in their food. But I, I didn't know if, you know, you don't know if you should believe it or not, but it's true. It's absolutely true. So the day after the wedding, Sunday's kind of the big party day, they brought all the leftover food out and everybody sat around talking and I just, I was expressing my shock that there was no bad stuff in their foods. I says, and we had been talking about hip joint disease and things like that. And I said, so how many people do you know with like, they have had artificial joints? And I just, well, we know the doctor, he actually transferred to New York. He lives in New York. He helps to design the artificial limbs and joints. And, um, but we don't really know anybody that has one. I'm like, what? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. As I, I've been to like a caregivers meeting where people who are having artificial joints put in and so they, they, they give these classes every week. And there'll be 20, 30 people in this class for the caregivers to understand how to care for people getting artificial joints. It, it's just insane. They run them through like cattle through a, a sale barn. I just, for the number of people getting these, these joints every day in these, these hospitals. So anyway, so I says, well, what about cancer? How, much, how many people do you know right this minute they have cancer? And everybody in the room kind of got quiet. Um, none. And I went, what? And the little, the little sister says, oh, yes, Mom. She goes, remember the lady from church? And she goes, oh, sweetheart, that was two years ago. No, we don't know anybody that has cancer now. And she looks at me. She says she had breast cancer, but she's better now. And I said, what about diabetes? And they looked at me like they didn't even know what diabetes was. I said, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue. And they just, just looked at me. I said, what kind of diseases do you hear, have here? And the uncle says, oh, we get, get a bad bout of the flu on occasion. And I said, oh, what kind of flu? And he says, well, you know, the kind where you get like all achy and, and you go to bed and well, you feel better the next day, but boy, she can be a bugger. I'm like, that's it? You know, they didn't know one person with a named disease. Now, they don't live in a closet. They're regular people who have jobs, go to church, have families. You know, they know one person that did have dementia, but in homeopathy, we understand that dementia can be like, you know, especially in older age, because if there's a trauma when they're younger, that can come back because they've been suppressing that trauma all these years, and that can come and start overriding the system. But not one named disease due to food. I I just, I was just so shocked. So I came home and I was more determined than ever to start promoting organic foods with no food additives. And I'm in the process of doing that. In the next few months, I just um, there's a couple of things I want to whittle out of my store. And there's, there's new things that I want to bring in. It's, it's going to take a while because i got to do some juggling. But the point is, is I can't in good conscience sell things that I know aren't the best thing for the people around me. And even supplements. I have a lot of people request supplements. And I said, ah, you know, as sad as it is to understand this, even if you're eating organic food, on occasion you may need a supplement because even our good organic stuff isn't as good as it used to be 60, 70 years ago because the soils are being depleted, our waters are being polluted, and things are happening, and it's a, it's a domino type effect. And even though there are super good farmers trying really, really hard to do everything in the best way they can, you know, this, these things are still happening. So there's, there's still a handful of good supplements that we can take. I, don't, I do not promote vitamins, so to speak. But I do promote some, some supplements on occasion, on occasion, and only when the body is in a depleted state. But anyway, I just wanted to share with you this, the whole fact that in the United States, 
our food is the source of our ills. Okay? And yes, in Australia they get fresh air and sunshine, but we also do here in the United States as well. The only thing I can see that is different, the only thing, because they drive cars and they have pollution and they, you know, all these other things too. And they have city water that's contaminated. Um, and, you know, they, they try to have filters on their water and things like that too. The fact is they have even less good water than we do. So it has to be the food. That is the only difference in the way they live to the way we live. So I cannot stress enough that we need to only eat organic foods and non-GMO foods. And if we hope to be able to keep our bodies strong and healthy. And like I said, disease and eventual death is our plot in life. But we don't have to bring it upon ourselves by taking in the wrong things. And so even their, even their beer, everything, it's just, it was so amazing. It was just, everything tastes so good. And it was so flavorful. Well, my daughter-in-law, when she was here, she, when she's getting ready to go back home, she goes, oh, I can't wait to get home to have some good food. She would come to my store and she, honestly, she would say, oh, Sue, I just love your sandwiches. I just love your food. And I said, well, thank you. And she goes, no, I mean it. I'm just so hungry all the time. And I says, well, aren't you eating? Oh, I eat. I just don't feel like I'm getting the nourishment that I need. So when she went home, I started laughing. I, I talked to her on FaceTime. I said, okay, so do you really feel better now? She goes, oh, she holds up her thumb. She says, absolutely. She goes, I finally feel like I'm getting the nutrients that I, I need. And I was like, and then when we went there, we ate, seriously, we ate like pigs for nine days and we all lost weight. And we were eating, I never eat more than three meals or snacks a day. I was eating five and six times a day there. <laughs> and it was, it was just amazing. We just felt so good when we came home. And so I just, it's, it's definitely worth it. Let your dollar speak. These companies, if everybody stopped buying bad things, those companies, they would stand up and they would wake up literally overnight and they would start giving us what we want. They wouldn't care what the government agency allows. They would give us what we want, what we demand. The dollar really does speak. So please, for the benefit of our country, let your dollars talk and buy only those good, healthy things. All right, enough on all the food, but I had to share that experience. And like I said, after Christmas, we're going to have many, 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 many items on our website that we don't have now. Um, the fact is, yes, we'll have we'll have a lot of stuff on sale on our website that hopefully we can sell at a reasonable price. And that's just a, that's the main project we're going to be working on January and February is getting that all implemented. So with that, and that that'll be on the Outpost Mercantile, but... I think we have a link between homeopathy for mommies and the outpost mercantile. I don't know for sure, but we'll work on that too. So thank you so much for joining me. May God bless you and yours. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com, and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com. Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.